Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Good morning, everyone, and happy Sabbath. As we meet here at this hour, we come because we want to hear the Word of God. And I am not the voice of God. I am not even worthy to be the conduit through which he dispenses of his word. But I'm very glad that at least we can hear the word of God today. There are some places where it is a treason to present the word of God publicly and openly. And we have the freedom unmolested to hear the word of God today. Brother and Sister Mung, it's good to see you. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Today I want to talk to you on aspect of the story of redemption. And uh, for on your program brochure, you will see that on the back it's empty, so I'm going to ask you if you want to take some notes that you can do that from there. So we're going to talk about aspects of the story of redemption. Let us pray. Loving Lord, indeed we are honored, we are blessed that we have the opportunity to be here in this house today. We pray now that you will allow your words to be salt and seasoned to our lives. We pray that we will be challenged by the word today and we will be comforted by that same word. As we seek to live for you and to represent you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Romans chapter 1. The book of Romans was written by Paul, the apostle. And it is called a prison epistle. Meaning that it was written while Paul was in a Roman jail. In the dungeon. And so he writes here in Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, and I'll read verse 17 also. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteousness of man shall live by faith. Or the righteous man shall live by faith. I read a story some time ago. 
in the Jacksonville newspaper. It is called the Florida Time Union. And this story was published on March 7th, rather March 22nd of this year. It says, and I read, a Jacksonville businessman reported dead two years ago in Venezuela was arrested in North Carolina and alleged fraud charges after his life insurance company filed a lawsuit alleged he was alive and they shouldn't be making payments. Detail of the charges against 62-year-old Osei Lantor are unclear, says the newspaper. But the arrest ends two years of speculation about whether the former furniture store owner had faked an illness in 2013 while vacationing in Venezuela, leaving his business in millions of dollars of debt. The newspaper continues, the lawsuit by Hartford Life and Annuity Life Insurance Company also alleged a worker was bribed to falsify document stating the businessman body was cremated. They also claim that he fraudulently signed benefits claim to a local creditor before he disappeared. The Jacksonville prosecutor told the Florida Time Union that Ose faced insurance fraud charges in Florida involving policies worth $9 million. It seemed to me as if people will do anything to get money, to be rich. And so they, they place the, the highest premium on what this life has to offer. Their, their main focus is what they can get here and now. But for the child of God, his, his focus is a little different. Although he's involved honestly in, the, in what the world has to offer, yet his mo is, is, is most important focus is not on the things of this world. And so, the story of redemption means everything to the child of God. The story of redemption makes, is what gives his life or her life value. Because if you equate the best of your life to what is here, 
then the best of your life worth nothing here. The best of your life must be lined up as to how God sees you. And so today we want to spend a little time talking about this story of redemption. The story of redemption is inseparably interwoven with the gospel. It is the gospel that makes the story of redemption relevant and potent. The gospel, insofar as God works, works by means of the message of salvation. Through this gospel, through this message of salvation, God provides an awakening towards repentance. Combined with faith, comfort, love, peace, joy, and a courage, even in the face of death. In other words, it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ that the child of God has hope. The story of redemption has several component parts. There is the atonement. There is the first advent. And then there is the gospel story. So here we go. Components of the plan of the story of redemption. Number one, the atonement. Number two, the advent. And number three, the gospel story. Let's focus here on the gospel story. So what is the gospel story? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, in the living translation, the writer says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. The Jews first. And also the Gentiles. So what is the gospel story? According to this text the gospel story is the good news about Christ. What is the gospel story? The good news about whom? Christ. 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 Christos. The one who gives himself a sacrifice. And and it's linked also to the Messiah. Christos in the Greek. Messiah. Yes. The gospel story is the good news about Christ. The gospel is a powerful means in the hand of God. And is based on the fact that it is the living self-manifestation and self-affluence of God. The gospel 
is an immaterial substance or it is an in, it is a, a tangible influence that flows from the divine omnipotence so the gospel you need to understand that it is the good news about Christ and what he has come to do now what is the purpose of the gospel what is the purpose of the gospel the purpose of the gospel according to according to the text that we read first paul says that i am not ashamed of the gospel what does he say what did, he says what i am not ashamed of the gospel so one of the purposes of the gospel is to remove shame to do what remove what shame the shame of guilt the shame of sin and the shame of rejection so the purpose of the gospel is to remove shame and after after shame is removed then there is a certain boldness that grips the believer because he embraces or she embraces the gospel message i am not ashamed what does it mean to be ashamed first it means to be embarrassed or to be apologetic or to be shamefacedness or to experience shamefacedness but the child of god who embraced the gospel of jesus christ has nothing to be ashamed of she has nothing to be apologetic about because of what because first of all of the one who provides the gospel it comes directly from the heart of the creator and it's not something that man invents or it is not a mere figment of the imagination it is god's power at work in the life of people transforming them moving them from where they are to where he wants them to be and so as the gospel is presented it removes shame it removes hindrance it removes animosity it removes malice it removes envy and it removes pride and so an integral part of the gospel is the preaching of the cross and one of the reason why paul had to assert that he is not ashamed of the gospel because of the death of jesus christ in the company of romans and in the congregation of the jews the most despicable or disgraceful act is for one to be to be crucified on a cross not only that 
when Jesus came, he was claiming that he was the Messiah. And yet he died on a shameful cross. The Jews cannot accept that. It is something to be ashamed of. If you embrace that first of all. And then to see the one who, who claimed to be the Messiah hanging on a cross. And then you, you, you bow your head in shame and disgrace. And so Paul having embraced the gospel as a Jew. With Roman citizenship. Had to, had to do something. He has to say something. I imagine that there were those who were asking. Are you a Jew embracing that? He said no I'm not ashamed of it. The kingdom of God is founded on humility. It is founded on love. And not on arrogance or hate. And that is contained uh, in the gospel as a moral force. As a force worthy of our recognition. Even by the most slavish worshiper. We need to agree and understand that we ought to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ without embarrassment, without shame. Let the slanders talk. Oh, let the gainsayers say what they want to say. But if Jesus Christ has done something in your life, you can't be ashamed of the gospel. So, we have looked at the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is to save lives. Now let's look at the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. Now let's look at the power of the gospel. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is a power of God and the salvation. Now, the Greeks use two words for power. And the New Testament was originally written in their language. So what do they mean when they use the word power? The first word here for power is the word dunamis. Dandemite. I, those of you who have been following my class in the afternoon, I did say something in that some weeks ago. Dunamis. Dandemite. Dandemite. To, to destroy and to implode buildings. So if you were to plant a, a, a dynamite in this building and light it, then all of us would have to run out. Am I right? Yes. It destroys. That kind of power, as one man says, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So that kind of power is good. It is energy that gets you to do work. But it can also corrode your life. Power. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It is through this power that lives are changed. God working 
through the power of the gospel, making sure that it, it finds its way into the lives of those who are receptive. But then there is another word. And this word is the word exousia. It also means power. But it means authority. Authority. And as I told my class here um, some weeks ago that responsibility without authority is suicidal. Because if you have been given a responsibility and you don't have authority to make sure that you can enforce the rules and regulation concerning that which you are assigned, then you might become frustrated and hence take your own life. So God here gives authority. And interestingly, this word here, this word here is the word that is used in the book of Acts concerning the preaching of the gospel. And when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. It's the word exousia. You shall receive authority to go and speak in my name. I am giving you the authority to speak in my name. And the authority that I give to you, when you speak, even the demons will come to stand still. Yes. So Paul himself once found that the gospel was a stumbling block. And that preaching the cross was humiliating. And that is why he was going through Damascus, persecuting, sending letters, and killing the Christians. Sending them to their death. Now that same gospel has such power that it was able to change a persecutor into a preacher. You know, some years ago in Miami Beach, there was signs, I understand, that would be placed there that says, no black, no Jews. You might have heard about that. Yes. And you know what happened? The Jews came together and bought out Miami Beach. So all signs had to come down. As a matter of fact, when you go to Miami Beach, you have more Jews there more anywhere else. They have their synagogue there. Am I right? Because they bought it out so that they could quiet their oppressors. Now, when Jesus wanted to quiet Paul, he converted him. So that is the best way to deal with a persecutor. So God converted Paul, and now he became the chief, the chief defender of that which he persecuted. Oh, yes. Here it is. That the humiliation of the cross become the pride of his life. Here it is that that which he despised become the object of his life. 
And so the preaching of the cross is a cardinal point of the old gospel. The centerpiece of the story of redemption. Because if there is no sacrifice, there is no salvation. If there is no sacrifice, then the story of redemption is a fake. And so, how how do you understand the import of the gospel? It's important for all of us. It is the power of God because God uses it to convert. It is the power of God because God uses it to instruct. It is the power of God because God uses it to console and to inspire. And so this book, the Bible, God uses it to make his message clear unto us. And he says, if you are thirsty, come and your thirst will be quenched. And so, the power of the gospel is at work. And if you don't believe that the gospel has power, you need to know where I am coming from. I don't glory in my past. But I never knew when I was growing up that one day my life would mean anything. No. I never had it in the back of my mind that one day I was going to be a Christian, more so a Christian preacher. No. And every night I go to bed before I fall asleep, I spend a little time just reflecting on where God has brought me from. Don't glory in your past, but don't forget where you're coming from. Because if you, don't, if you forget where you're coming from, you're not going to have anything to thank God for. So the gospel has power. It is a life-changing instrument in the hand of God. That brings changes to the life of people. Oh yes. The gospel inspires ideas. The gospel creates great ideas that rule the world. Lofty ideas. And it contains life-giving promises. The Bible that we read is the book of the gospel. It lifts up Jesus. It exalts him as Lord of our lives. So then we have looked at the purpose of the gospel. We have looked at the power of the gospel. Let's spend a little time now as we wrap it up. Looking now at the people of the gospel. Because you can talk about the purpose of the gospel. You can talk about the power of the gospel. But what does it really mean for us? How does it impact your life? First of all, the people of the gospel receive a revelation of the fatherhood of God. They receive the redemption of Christ by the power of grace. 
Then in the power of this grace, we go free from sin. We are reconciled to Christ. We are strengthened for the duties of life. And, for, and we are prepared for the city of God. This is the gospel. There is no other. It is free. It is full. It is present. It provides forgiveness. And it gives surety of salvation. And so the people of the gospel here are the people of God. Christ is the centerpiece of the gospel. It is in him that the gospel has meaning. Christ therefore reveals himself and his father through the work of the gospel to his people. And Christ is our redeemer. So through the gospel, Christ becomes our redeemer. He is the one who pays the price to, to buy us back. For we were sold out to sin. And we never even had the common sense to know that we were sold out much less to come back. But then he came for us. And so the people of the gospel receive the perpetuation of sin, the forgiveness of sin, and not for ourselves only, but for all those who love him. And so Jesus Christ provides salvation. For the people of the world through the gospel. The gospel reveals who Christ is in the story of redemption. And the apostle calls it. Yes, he calls it and he goes on to tell us about this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So here it is. Here it is. This is what the gospel does for the people. It says here, the people of God, having received the gospel, become new people. New people. So, gospel people are new people. What did I say? Gospel people are what? New people. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, what Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. But interestingly, we say new creature. But the real word there in the original is the word creation. Word creation. We are new creation. God. And, and I like this idea of new creation. Because God is not in the renovating business. Not in the renovating business. God does not renovate people. He makes them over. He makes them anew. And you know, every now and again, you hear, you know, for, for those of you, and I watch a little TV sometimes, you see? 
And I, 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 there's a, a program that comes on TV sometimes that I like to watch. It's called Makeover. When they make over people. But when they make over people, all they do is to change their clothes and change their hairstyle. Am I right? Yes. Uh, only that, as I told them, they make them over, right? Yes. They make them over by giving them new hairstyle, giving them new shoes, and giving them new clothing. But God doesn't do that only. God begins from the inside out. Oh, yes. These people who make over people, they start from the outside because they can't go in the inside. But God starts from the inside and he works and works his way outside. For what is in the man or the woman is what you see on the outside. Am I right? So, gospel people are new people. They have a new determination. They have new attitude. And always remember, you know, and somebody shared with me not long ago, he said, told me that she was at a meeting and a lady says, was talking. She was a motivational speaker and they paid big money for her to come. Lots of money to talk for a couple of minutes. And one of the things that she said, at least she said something sensible. She said, attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you will get nowhere. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Write it down. Attitude is like a what? Flat tire. Flat tire. If you don't change it, you will what? Get nowhere. When God makes you over, he gives you a new attitude. About people, new attitude. About life, new attitude. About yourself, new attitude. About your marriage, new attitude. About your children, new attitude. About where you are going. You have your focus now on Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God and the salvation. I can see it working in the lives of people. Oh yes. And so today, the people of God must understand that once the gospel reaches you, you become saved. You become what? Saved. So the gospel has as its goal three things. Number one, as I close today, the gospel has as its goal to save sinners. Have you been saved? Have you been saved? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior from sin? Those who do not have Christ in their life will go down. They must go down. They will be spiraling downward, out of control. Those who have Christ in their life, oh, they are like a ball on top of a bucket. 
of water. They will never go under. Hmm? They are always floating. Floating. The gospel elevates you. It brings you up. You're going up, up, and up. And one day, you will be in the kingdom of God. Then the gospel not only saves you, but it sanctifies you. And sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Every day God keeps working on you. And let me tell you something. Those of you who have been saved, it is no one-shot business that you are saved today and that's it. God keeps working on you. Oh, yes. And, uh, and in, in, in Revelation, uh, the writer of the Revelation says that those who are saved are those who overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know, when I look at the passage, really, a little closer, you know what I see? I see that the tense there, overcome is in the imperfect tense and not the perfect tense. What it means is that those who are saved in the kingdom of God are those who keep on overcoming. Do you get the idea? So you overcome today, you overcome tomorrow, you overcome the other day. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Every rung gets higher and higher and higher. And until at last, oh, salvation through Jesus Christ and the gospel story takes us from this world to the next. But the final thing as the goal of the gospel, yes, it says it sanctifies, but it also seals you for the kingdom of God. And I'm glad that the sealing work is going on now. And those who are saved are those who are sanctified. And those who are sanctified are those who are sealed. And those who are sealed are those who are saved. Today, I want to ask you, what is it that you're focusing on? What is it? Are you, are you proud of the word of God in your life? Are you happy as a Christian child of God? When you see what's happening in the world today and the destruction, are you still holding on to the everlasting arms of Jesus? You know, uh, there are some songs that we sing in our songbook. That were written by different peoples. One of them. Was written by a lady. By the name of Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby. Became blind at about age six. The story is that. She got sick and her. 
Mother took her to the doctor, and the doctor prescribed the wrong medication. And so she lost her sight at an early age. But she was a prolific writer and poet. And one of the songs that I love very much, that this blind lady in her blindness has written, is the one that says, Safe in the arms of Jesus. Today I want to let you know that regardless of what happened in your life and in the world today, the child of God is safe in the arms of Jesus. I trust today that your life, with the power of the gospel, will be safe, secured, and sealed in the arms of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.